Hey folks, welcome to episode number 16 of Josh's Worst Nightmare, presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, I would like to welcome Corey Swanson. Corey lives in northern Colorado with his wife, two daughters, and the ghost of an old blind dog named Kirby. When he's not teaching tweens how to play band and orchestra instruments, he can be seen camping with his family in his tiny trailer or traveling to strange worlds in his head in order to write about them. If the weather is decent, you might catch him riding his bike or running because he is afraid of death and he's heard exercise helps with that. If you would like to witness a nearly middle-aged man attempt to navigate the perils of social media, you can find Corey on Facebook under the handle at speculative meculative or meculative, however you want to do that. Speculative. <laughs> okay. Uh, on Instagram at Corey Swanson author on Twitter at author underscore Corey or at his website, Corey Swanson author dot WordPress dot com. Welcome to my nightmare, Corey. Thank you for having me in your nightmares. Of course. <laughs> well, you first came across my radar a while back. Uh, you submitted a story to an anthology for Dender Horror Collective that I was the lead editor for called Terror at 5280. And I did love your story. It was called Terror in El Pueblo. And we accepted it for online publication. And the reason we didn't accept it for the print anthology well why don't you tell people a little bit about it and then i'll <laughs> i think it'll be self-evident okay all right 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 so uh yeah it, the um the basic premise of the story came from uh a type of mold called uh i had to write it down because it's a it's a mouthful uh Afi cordyceps unilateralis which just sounds like a tool album i guess yes. um so uh <laughs> Uh, that mold is the one that, um, it goes in and implants in an ant's brain. Um, and it makes the ant walk up a stalk, uh, or a tree or something like that. And then it kills the ant and then uses the ant to spore everywhere. And I thought that was incredibly cool. Um, so I thought, uh, and then kind of right as I was thinking about that, we took a little trip down to a restaurant that has recently been purchased by the creators of South Park. Um, and this is where we kind of get into, uh, the the, uh, <laughs> the reason we were not putting this story in the anthology. Um, so this uh, very famous local uh, Denver area restaurant called Casa Bonita. And um, I had written the entire story using that just kind of, I don't know, I <laughs> I never even thought that somebody might sue us. But um, <laughs> when we, uh, when I, um, the premise of that was when I went to Casa Bonita, the, the place hasn't been kept incredibly clean uh, in recent years. <laughs> and uh, there was just kind of a sliminess to the place. Like when you got near, you know, it's, you know, they got the whole indoor pool system where the cliff divers dive. And I think that moisture has just kind of worked its way into every crevice. And, um, you know, it, um, it wouldn't be too far from my mind to see just, you know, tons of black mold and all of the drywall and everything there. Um, so I thought of, you know, what if, the mold at Casa Bonita was infecting people and, um, you know, uh, making them climb the walls and spore for, you know, spore themselves everywhere. Um, and that kind of, you know, it blossomed into, you know, um, what, what does the mold want? And, you know, so the mold could become sentient, I guess, in this story. Um, and then, um, it, it, you know, if it becomes sentient, 
why is it doing this to people? You know, so uh, it turns out they're, they're upset that, you know, the people try to scrub the mold away with their disinfectants and such. And um, they're upset and they want to take over the whole place. And so, they're, they're, you know, kind of the conflict arises from there. Um, so I don't know. It was just a super fun story. I felt it was just kind of like B-movie horror um, <laughs> once it got rolling. Um, and, you know, to, there was a huge tongue in cheek aspect to it that I, I just right. enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I mean, coming down to, uh, I mean, you know, the whole biological horror of that was, was a lot of fun. Um, so that, you know, so when you, you guys accepted it, then, uh, you were like, we cannot use the name Caspanita in your story. Um, it's like, okay, sounds good. I, you know, I, I just like getting published. It's fun. Uh, so, and so but, folks that is up on still in the Denver horror collective website, denverhorror.com, terror in El Pueblo. And yeah, it is pure biological horror. And so for folks who've been paying attention to what we're doing here, I always invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of biological horror, living creatures, vital processes relevant to their writing. This fits so perfectly. And it's a topic that, yeah, I think the, the mushroom thing is, it's so ripe. And the Cordyceps stuff, I've talked about it maybe two other times on the podcast, just in passing, because it's such an awesome horror concept. It's basically this zombie ant thing for folks who have not seen images of it. Just go online, look up C-O-R-D-Y-C-E-P-S or zombie ant stuff, and you'll see all the stuff. But yeah, I thought it was an awesome story. I was just worried legally, were we going to get sued? <laughs> and even changing the name, it wasn't hidden that that um, incredibly. I think it was pretty obvious, but yeah. Straight up a Casa Bonita story, you know, it was, yeah. it was Casa Bonita fan fiction, you know, yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure it was. And, you know, the whole thing around Casa Bonita, folks are not familiar. It's a, yeah, the Mexican restaurant and it is notorious for not having awesome food, but a fun ambiance environment. And that's why it was in South Park and, and all that Here, stuff. There's a mariachi band, there's cliff diving, there's melodramas going on. They have right. Black Bar cave where you go in and they just have like pop out at you scary things where the you know where our uh, our black mold goes and hangs out during the story um you know and then, then you go to the gift shop but you're not allowed in unless you buy a meal and the meal is like um you know you've got uh cheese whiz inside your you know burrito <laughs> you know it's just it's it's sub taco bell it's not <laughs> yeah it's not good. really glad with the recent purchase that the South Park guys have vowed to make the food better, you know? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that will be an improvement. I haven't been there, but I've heard a lot. But all I know is that I think indoor pools are just gross in general. So you combine an indoor pool with a restaurant. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it doesn't doesn't make things feel clean. And plus that place has been around since the 70s, you know. And so you got you got water indoors for that amount of time. That's, you know, that's just unclean, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. So I think it's an awesome topic. And yeah, I really love that story. So I've heard tell, because you told me not two minutes ago, <laughs> that you're working on a sequel or you already have the sequel to that. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote it because so the recent events with Casa Bonita have been the, the, the pandemic here has driven it to near bankruptcy, right? Um, and there was a group of people who, you know, it's want to save it a local historic landmark, I guess. Um, and uh, so I kind of started thinking about what if, you know, our black mold, the statue Botris Chartarum was, you know, upset with COVID for some reason. And, or so basically in this story, 
um, one of the uh, line cooks is tired of, you know, drawing unemployment. So he goes and infects himself with the mold. And then he heads out to um, the Grizzly Rose, which to me is just the perfect place to go get COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. And he gets both in his system and then he sets, you know, the mold up to try and fight COVID. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Inside. So. <laughs> um, that sounds so awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully we find somebody who wants to publish that one. It's got to be a local thing, though, because I'm not sure how well Casa Bonita plays outside of Colorado. Well, at some point, if you can't get that out there, yeah, definitely talk to us because we, we want that to be out in the world. And so Grizzly Rose, for folks who don't know, is a big old country bar out in Denver, and they were notoriously, let's just say, lax in regards to COVID <laughs> restrictions during the pandemic. Yes, it was, it was a question I asked my wife. I was like, where would you go if you were just like, I need to find COVID? I need to get COVID. <laughs> She's like, well, the grizzly rose, of course. <laughs> so I love the idea of pitting these different biological organisms against one another. That's a beautiful thing. Well, then you got to think too, like a, a mold is a vastly more complex organism than a virus, right? A virus is a very simple thing. Um, in fact, it's like all it is is just code to reproduce itself, basically. Um, so um, you've got, once he starts... The, once the mold starts trying to find the virus within his system, all you can hear is just DNA. Like, you know, it just starts chattering forth on, you know, um, you know, the, the symbol GTAC, you know, mm -hmm. over and over in random patterns. And it has to kind of figure that out in order to communicate with it. <laughs> That's so. such a cool. That's such a cool idea. It reminds me. So I had this thing I was doing for a while with my Josh's Worst Nightmare newsletter, which I might start up again, but it's, it's called Beast Bout. And I would take different either monsters or animals, or I don't know if I did, I don't think I went to the level of microbes, but they basically, who would win in a fight? And I let people vote on it. And I do a kind of a uh, like final four kind of bracket sort of thing, whoever would win. I think that would be a fun one to say like, all right, folks, who do you think a virus versus a mold? Who would win? Yeah. A mold that can make a zombie out of things, a sentient mold yeah. or virus that, um, it's basically brainlessly reproduces, you know, <laughs> it's hard to say. And what is winning in this circumstance? So yeah, it's a fascinating thing. That's awesome. Uh, I, would, I would love to read that story because that is so up my alley, but let, let's talk more about mushrooms. Now, neither of us are experts and I deliberately don't invite experts on because they're boring. Who cares? I want <laughs> people who are writing things about things based on, you know, a general knowledge or whatever we do our research. But so when I think of mushrooms, course the first thought is edible mushrooms culinary mushrooms right they're right. they're wonderful things we all eat them we love them but then there are so many times in which people go out picking them and i lived in the northwest where that's a big thing and they pick the wrong mushrooms so that's kind of ripe for horror possibilities yeah and you've got to think about like the first people and i okay this is not original to me i read this on the internet but the first people who were out there just like okay, that one killed Jerry, and then this one makes you see God, and this one just tastes like, you know, bacon. You right. know? <laughs> Those were the three categories, basically, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, uh, yeah, they had to pass all that information down, and it's, it's still a, it's a dangerous thing, and I think the saying is there are no bold mushroomers. There's, wait, you're either a bold mushroomer or an old mushroomer basically so the idea is that if you're bold as a mushroomer you don't live to be old because you need to be cautious 
And yeah, my, I. My dad had a friend who used to go collecting mushrooms. He said they would they would sort them into uh, what was it three batches. One was definitely good to eat. <laughs> one was probably good to eat, and one was at your own risk. You know. Yep. So they had their own risk bunch sometimes just got left to rot and, you know, or some people would, you know, venture in there. <laughs> yeah. It's not something I'd necessarily recommend. I have done it uh, a few times with some other people who know a lot more than me, but then there's the whole thing around psychedelic mushrooms. And I did once when I was in college, I wrote a story about, it was basically, I was just ripping off the idea from this book called Altered States by Patty Chayefsky. And it was made into a movie, which actually is a pretty damn cool horror-esque-ish sci-fi movie, where basically the, the plot in that was he was going into isolation tank, isolation booth kind of thing for whatever reason. And then he took mushrooms and he turned into a caveman, you know, because that's that's how that works. <laughs> and then he goes out there and he's like an ape man. It was awesome. But I wrote a story about basically I stole the idea where it was dogs in a cold Vermont winter. I was living in Vermont and they eat mushrooms and that somehow triggers something prehistoric and they turn into these marauding wolves. <laughs> yeah. You know, as somebody who I, 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 I would admit it if I did, but I haven't tried psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, you know, is the, is the concept that it just kind of strips you down to something more primal or is the concept that, um, you know, I don't know, you, you hear a lot about people that it, like they can, you know, they, you know, it's like it opens up your third eye or, and aligns all your chakras. And, you know, um, you know, I, I guess you can go either way with that one, right? Yeah. I mean, who knows really what it's doing? Is that your true self? Is it just a hallucination the whole time? I don't know. I had some pretty awesome experiences back in the days when I would do that stuff and i learned a lot and i made friends with a cow once like i fell in love with a caterpillar like a lot of stuff happened yeah um you know so the, yeah the, the, that's that's right for for you know any kind of speculative fiction though right um it's you know it's kind of like in the matrix where he takes the pill and all of a sudden he wakes up to the reality of things um you know you almost wonder i, I don't know i've been kind of pushing through that idea of like living in a simulation mm -hmm. and you know somehow um you know it's the drug that brings you back i also kind of had a you know crazy thought about like basically a drug that just would give you like some sort of rheostat into your 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 state of being you know like that you can just sit there and adjust um you know uh inner you know this okay so <laughs> This is related because that um, the, the cordyceps uh, fungus that goes in and can control your brain. You know, there's a lot of talk about this, like wearable technology becoming something implanted or something internal. And then, you know, how far away are we from like micro ro robots in our blood system and in our in, a, in our neurons, uh, you know, doing the same sort of thing. You know, um, it, to me, it's, it's absolutely mind blowing that a mold can go in and figure out how to control an ant's walking systems and make it walk up the stock. You know, that to me, to something that doesn't have those limbs and doesn't have that kind of neurology to get in there and make the ant do that, you know, how far away, you know, and, and then what if you had tech that, I mean, you could make anybody do anything, right? <laughs> so if we all of a sudden had tech inside our bodies and then somebody decides to hack you, then what, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's so ripe for just, 
fascinating conversations, but so much for fiction, we can delve into all that. And I definitely find incorporating the psychedelic element. I mean, it, it can be a crutch in ter- like a, how do you pronounce it? Deus ex machina, where you're just like, I need a thing to happen. Bring God in there, just bring in the psychedelics, but it's usually pretty cool. And so I think, I think it's less of a cheat than that. But we were saying about how, so that mold can interact with the brain of zombies. So mushrooms interact with our brain in a very interesting way. So it, it's utilizing pathways that have to exist in our brain for all those connections to work, right? It's not necessarily like, oh, I'm just going to come in here and make shit happen. It's like, it knows there are things that happen in our brain already. And there's this whole theory, the stoned ape hypothesis, they call it. So Terrence McKenna was a fellow who popularized this, but it's the idea that humans sort of evolved from the proto-human because we started eating mushrooms and for lots of different reasons. Have you heard of that concept? No, that's crazy. <laughs> I would look into it. It's listen yeah. to a video from Terrence McKenna. He says some cool stuff. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away maybe 20 years ago. But is is there scientific validity behind it? I Not necessarily, but we can't know from back right. then what triggered anything. I, I'm not about scientific validity. I'm like, if that's a good story and it's fun to think about, let's do it. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, another favorite one of mine, I don't want to go down this road because I'll probably have to devote a whole other episode, but the aquatic ape theory that goes hand in hand with the stoned ape. And, and I won't go into it, but basically it's just that we humans supposedly had a period in our evolution where we were semi-aquatic and that's why we look so different than apes. Oh, I we have, I've heard that one. Yeah. And why, why um, they, they, they also theorize that's why, but this doesn't make sense that only half the species would have it, but that's why breasts developed was for buoyancy. That's one of the ideas. Yeah. You read the books and some of the ideas make more sense than others. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but yeah, there, there was a whole topic around breasts, but I mean, we, we are sexually dimorphic. So the females and males do grow different things. So um but no, I, I think the, the breast thing was something to do with to get the, the nipple further down for the baby because the baby was floating. Some of it does not <laughs> quite check out. I don't, I, it's like, oh man, what was that water world with Kevin Costner where they had yeah. throwing gills? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure we're there. <laughs> no, not quite, but we do love the water and there's, there's something to it. We are some weird ass creatures. And so I, maybe it's a combination of aquatic ape and Stoned ape, and that's what explains everything. In, in maybe, yeah, maybe some ape just ate some mushrooms and jumped in the water. <laughs> but speaking of other horror potential psychedelia, it is thought that Salem witch trials, so all the fervor around that and thinking these girls were witches and they were acting all weird, they think it might have had something to do with ergot, which is basically a fungus that produces a kind of uh, LSD, it would grow on their rye. So the rye, which was a grain they had, and it was a very wet summer and it was on their food. So basically they were ingesting it and the whole town was tripping out is what they think. <laughs> maybe. That's, that's a cool thought. Um, but, you know, we, we always, we, you know, we never question like why, you know, you know, why was it okay to burn a witch? instead of just like, I don't know. Okay. I can't remember where I'm going with that one. <laughs> well, I want to fully state on this podcast. It's never okay to burn a witch. It's- right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Um, 
and if everybody's tripping, I mean, that, you know, man, that's, that, that's like, <laughs> um, you know, how do you get down to the, you know, the patient zero on that one, you know? <laughs> right. Well, it's thought that the girls might've been tripping out and acting weird, you know, and they were teenage or preteen girls they're, they're going to act yeah. weird, whatever. But then the paranoia of the townsfolk, the puritanical townsfolk. So their version of tripping out is like, ah, oh, they're all witches and we have to restrain them. They're running naked in the woods. So everyone has their own little weird trip, which is what psychedelics tend to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. I never really thought of that. Um, I, you know, you, you just think it's just a bunch of old guys being, being weird. <laughs> well, I mean, it probably partially was, but we don't know, but it's a, it's an interesting theory. And yeah, if you're ever looking for that special sauce in your writing, like, why does this happen? You can always yeah. toss the psychedelics toss, into the mix. Toss in some mushrooms, you know, <laughs> it can spice up any dish and, and things like that. Yeah. So I can't think of a ton and I haven't done any research whatsoever other than what I've come across, but in terms of like books or films that are centered around the psychedelia aspect, or even just playing a lot on mushrooms and fungus, like, can you think of anything off the top of your head that that's really centered around it? No, I can't. Yeah. But I, I I, I do, I do kind of get the, the the thought that somebody had to do something like the blob has to be like a slime mold story, right? Ooh, good call. You know? Good call. Um, you know, I mean, slime mold is fascinating in, in its own. Um, you know, you've got this, you know, basically a mold that has learned how to be ambient and you know move around. Um, you know, that's you know, that that's the one thing that comes to my mind is that that had to at least be in the back of their mind somewhere when they were writing that one. Yeah, well, The Blob is one of the first horror movies that I ever watched, and that, for some reason, scared me. There's no reason that should scare, but as a child, I guess everything's scary, but like a very slow-moving goop, like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, run away. Oh, okay, it's back there. Walk walk slowly, you'll be okay. But uh, yeah, that's that's a good call. I did just do a quick search, and I forgot. There is that film called Shrooms, a horror movie called Shrooms from 2007. And uh, basically it wasn't centered around it that much. They were looking for, I guess there was death around eating a poison mushroom and they were looking for psychedelics. The cover is pretty awesome. If folks haven't checked it out, look up the cover for shrooms. It's basically this moon, which is the skull. And then it's got these silhouettes of mushrooms as the eye and the nose. It's, it's pretty Uh, darn cool. But that, that rings a bell somehow. You've probably seen the cover. Yeah, it came out a while ago. It's from Ireland. But I think what we've touched upon is that mushrooms are an underutilized component of horror fiction. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just, I mean, molds and mushrooms and anything that spores, I mean, just think about there's, I mean, it's kind of like the, the whole virus fear thing is mm-hmm. that, you know, you've got something that just goes out in the air invisibly and then multiplies, you know, there's, you know, that's, but I mean, it's also like, you can, you can tail into a great sci-fi concept. You know, I I think you had mentioned that, you know, there was some thought that, you know, because of that sporing capability, you know, it could be an interplanetary interstellar thing, you know, where you've got one planet sporing to another and, and, you know, I've kind of always had that thought of like, how likely is life really 
Um, and how likely is it more that, that we've been seated here, you know, and that we might yes. have come from that sort of thing. I mean, you talk about like a tardigrade we found that can uh, live on the nose of a spaceship and survive and come back, you know, from the absolute vacuum, come back and be reject, you know, not regenerated, but like put back in the water and it was never actually dead, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's, I think that's scientifically, it's a concept called panspermia and Basically, it's either meteorites have come in and they have that rudimentary form of life. I think that's probably the most likely thing that yeah. happened. There was some microbe or some, you know, element on that that wasn't here. And then that kind of cooked in the vents. Who knows, really? But there, there's also the idea that the spores themselves are so small and light, they can literally float through atmospheres. Right, right. And maybe go beyond and, and, and move out. Or come it, here, it, or they came here for the first I mean, time that they're aliens. Kind of on that concept, I was reading an Arthur C. Clarke book called The Songs of Distant Suns, basically where the human race knows it's going to be cooked by the sun soon. So they send out spaceships with the ability to, um, you know, make babies and raise them and then populate new planets that way because, you know, of course, human life can't, you know, it would take several generations to get to another uh, star system. I mean, it's that same kind of idea. Um, but then you got to wonder about, you know, what happens when it gets to places that aren't viable? I mean, it would, that would mean we would find this stuff on all planets, you know, not maybe not all, but like you would be able to go to Mars and find evidence of this. And so, you, you know, that, I don't know, that's kind of exciting that you might, you might make it to Mars, be looking through the soil and find this, you know, these spores, you know, and, and, realize that our origins really aren't here and are from from way out you know and nothing looks more alien than a mushroom right <laughs> well they're they are very weird and they have they found and don't quote me on this but i believe they think that it's closer genetically a mushroom to a human than it is to other plants something weird like that and if that's incorrect oh. disregard <laughs> it <laughs> but we're we're writers we can do whatever the hell we want i'm not being a scientist here I want that to be true. <laughs> I do too. I don't care if it is or not, but I remember two other films. So they're not centered around it. So that's the thing. None of these seem to be really centered around the fungus thing, but of course, Midsommar has a really trippy. So for folks who haven't seen that, it's, it's a folk horror movie that came out the last couple of years. I think it was great. Cause I love folk horror stuff. Basically there is a mushroom scene in that, just the, a tripping out scene, which is, not even that relevant to the plot, but it was really well done. And there's this other folk horror film I saw, and that seems to be a trend with the mushrooms tying into folk horror stuff. It's called Hagazusa. And it was, uh, I can't remember, it's somewhere in Middle Eastern Europe. And it was uh, a witch movie. It, oh, it took place, let's see here, in the, the Alps, supposed to take place in the 15th century Alps. And um, it was uh, not English. And it was very stark and but beautiful imagery. And she also takes, she trips out and has a, a weird trip. But usually it's like, yeah, the, the negative trip. The midsummer one was a the positive trip. But that's the cool thing about that. It can go either direction. You can always spice up a scene with psychedelics. I wrote a novel that didn't get picked up, but um the scene, I won't even go into all the details because it's too weird, but basically he takes mushrooms. And that is what allows him to, I think, fight this uh, fire elemental that had 
turns people into like it doesn't matter but but the <laughs> mushrooms if you're looking for that little thing like how does how can you superpower this situation given the explanation of why this thing happened psychedelics do it can give you this this perspective shift and you can go really dark you can go really bright i yeah. think it's a cool at least a literary convention you could use yeah i mean and you know and where i went with the you know the turn el pueblo is that it you know to me the the, the horror aspect of it is, is losing control of your body to something else right yes. um and i guess that goes into the could go into the psychedelics as well right um it's just you know not no longer having the ability to control what you're doing i mean it's i don't know you ever saw being john malkovich it's one of it's a charlie kaufman movie from <laughs> like 1999 you know where people find a tunnel into john malkovich's brain and start controlling his body and, and taking over his life you know i mean to me that's just a, such a great concept you know like that that somebody or something could be crawling around inside your brain and you know taking over you know yeah so the idea of loss of bodily and like mental control that is one of the most horrifying things and i think that's really central to biological horror in general and the fungus thing it encapsulates all of that i've talked about alzheimer's before dementia and stuff like that that's a physical deterioration and also mental deterioration but yeah fungus can do that in lots of ways i mean it can just kill you dead if it's poisonous it can take your brain in all sorts of direction but but you can go either way and that's kind of my favorite horror anyway it's not that everything is dark it's that there's the dark side and the light side shadow and light and they're just two sides of the same coin and i guess yeah we don't like the idea of losing control but at the same time we do like losing control like that's what being drunk is right that's what orgasm is we yeah we, we really enjoy it and yet it's it's terrifying you know but speaking of alzheimer's congratulations on malinay Oh, thank you. Story, I enjoyed it very much. Oh, well, I'm really glad. Yeah, it's uh it's getting out there and yeah, it's uh no no mushrooms in there that I recall. No. Oh, I, but as, as as you say though, it's about that lost control. You know, uh yeah. you know, I think I I think I had uh, a chance to read it at, at one of the fiction critiques and, and part of it uh early on and I was like, yeah, nothing is more horrifying than age. <laughs> yeah. And just because you have all these abilities and once you lose those abilities and lose the ability to control how you walk and how you get around and all that stuff, I mean, it's terrifying. But here's the thing about that. And this maybe can tie it together with the, the mushroom thing. And then I'll let you go. Letting go is the thing I was about to say. So basically if, what if we became okay with, okay, there's a decline. It's just got to happen. Just I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm going to let it go. Instead, I'm going to hold so tight to whatever I think is my identity. And ironically, when you're tripping on mushrooms and you're having a bad trip, the advice is to let go because you're, you're holding so tightly to your ego basically is the idea. And it's frightening you, but as soon as you're just like, oh, I'm just along for the ride, it all goes. Okay. So maybe that's the answer. Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, and, and you know, that ties down into the terror in, in the Pueblo thing. That's kind of how the story ends is, is the owner just kind of gives in and goes, you know what? People should stick their head in a bucket for $10 and uh, mobile take, the mold will take over and they'll go jump off the cliff into the Casa Bonita pool. <laughs> I, I love it. And I think I predict at some point, so they're going to reopen Casa Bonita. I think your story will somehow, they'll frame it. You should, you should just send yeah. it to them. Even. 
I really wanted to get to the South Park guys. I really want them to read it. Um, I, I, I went on Twitter and I was like, hey, does anybody in my, you know, 3000 Twitter person world know these guys? And nobody did. And it was sad. But, oh, man, if, you know, if I got one wish in my life, I, I just wanted to read it. I don't care what they do with it or if they do nothing with it. That's fine. Or if they sue me, whatever. But <laughs> well, I think um, the least we could do, we could we could try to contact some local journalists and see if they're interested in uh, maybe they'd write just like a funny article yeah there's something on it be fun uh i don't know why i just have a desire now that they're buying casa bonita just because of what they did making mm -hmm. fun of casa bonita on their show you know i was like oh they're gonna totally appreciate this <laughs> i think they would appreciate it and now if that story was submitted to denver horror collective we publish it i think it would be safe the time <laughs> turning yeah the new ownership probably you know hopefully less litigious i can't imagine them getting too uptight i mean <laughs> I'm sure if we steal any of their South Park trademark, they won't be happy with it. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah their, their characters aren't ending up in the story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably the only thing you have to be careful about. But, well, thank you, Corey, so much for coming on the podcast. This was a, a great topic. I, I love talking to you. Um, what are you working on right now? Um, uh, well, I just had a book come out, uh, Venus the Monk. It's a sequel to a novella that I had published in 2019 called Geminis. Um, that original novella is about two twin sisters, one who can remember the past and one who only remembers the future. So um, kind of goes into the biological horror idea of um, this was a physical thing happening in her. And, um, you know, it's 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 not a, we, we think of clairvoyance in, in the wrong way. It actually would be something of a um, I hate to use the word disability, but a different ability, you know. Um, and then the sequel is about she um, this you know eight years after the catastrophic events of the novella, her son starts her baby son starts two year old son starts to uh, exhibit the same uh, traits. So um, you know what would you do? You know so she starts trying to track it down in her genetic lineage. However, her father was a sperm donor. And it goes into some stuff. Um, I think it's great. Of course I do. Um, <laughs> but um, That's a cool it'd be idea. If everybody uh, get out there and read that book, it's, uh, I, I, I think I want to see it made into a movie. That's that's basically all I ever want with my writing. I want to see it made. into. I don't know how to do screenplays, so I guess that's a disadvantage. Well, it <laughs> sounds like that would make a great film and sounds like a great book. And I'll definitely link to that in the description of the podcast so folks can check it out. I, I encourage I encourage folks to do that. Very much appreciated. Um, yeah. And then I don't know. I just write. I write all the time. <laughs> that's so. good to know cool. well thank you so much Corey it was great to have you alright have a great one Josh thanks for having me on for sure thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's worst nightmare where I Josh Schlossberg survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective if you don't want to miss any of the great and sometimes disturbing weekly episodes I've got planned for you be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, 
You can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg. <laughs>